It looks like the right thing to do. It sounds like the right thing to do. It seems like the right thing to do. It even, quote unquote, feels like the right thing to do. So is it the right thing to do? Many people in our modern world, I dare say even many Catholics, would be quick to say yes. But the correct answer actually is maybe. Because something can look and sound and seem and feel like the right thing to do and still be wrong. This is one of the problems we all face in making important decisions in our lives. But fortunately, our loving and merciful God understands the problem. He understands the human condition, I dare say, a lot better than we do. Which is one reason why he has sent us the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Blessed Trinity. The Spirit's been given to us for many reasons, not the least of which is to bring us the grace of forgiveness and salvation through baptism. But the Spirit is also there to help us discern the perfect will of God in our lives. He's there to help us discern the right course of action in a particular situation. St. Paul reminds us of this in today's second reading in this text from 1 Corinthians 12. There he mentions a number of gifts of the Holy Spirit, one of which is the discernment of spirits. Now that's a gift that some people pray for, I'm sure, but probably not many do. And yet, the fact is, we should pray for it constantly, at least once a day, because we all make lots of decisions every day, some of them very important ones. Every decision, you see, begins with a thought. Discernment helps us to identify where that thought has come from, from God from our own weak human nature or from Satan. Those are really the three possibilities. Once we arrive at a moral certitude of where a particular thought has come from, then we will know whether or not we should act on it. So obviously, discernment is crucial in order to discover and carry out the will of God in our lives, we have to discern properly. But as I said earlier, that is easier said than done. As I indicated at the beginning of my homily, we might have the thought to do something that looks good and sounds good and seems good and feels good, but that doesn't mean it is good. After somebody cuts you off on Route 95, for example, you might have the thought to run that individual off the road. Notice I say, you might have that thought. I would never have such a thought. Okay, I have. <laughs> Lots of times. You see, in the heat of the moment, that might seem and that might feel like the right thing to do. 
We just went and had donuts. Well, not donuts. I don't eat donuts. But we went to Honeydew. And we were leaving. And there was a lady getting out of her car, a rather rotund woman. And she was blocking the way such that John Broder couldn't get into his, in the car door, through the car door. And I nicely asked if it would be possible if she would move. Because it was going on for about five minutes, her standing there playing with something in her car. She gave me a not-so-nice remark. I had some thoughts then. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and they had heard the homily before. I said, I had to discern that those were not the right things to say at that moment. But it felt like it. <laughs> we need discernment. That's why we have to pray for the gift. And we not only have to pray for it, we have to also follow good, practical, spiritual advice on discerning right from wrong so that we can put the gift of discernment into practice. You know, it's one thing to have a gift. We all got lots of gifts for Christmas, I'm sure. Some of them we are using. Some of them we've probably stored away somewhere. So in order to use the gift, we need some wisdom here. Like the kind of wisdom I found online a couple of weeks ago in an article by a man named Maurice Bloomberg. I did a Google search on discernment of spirits, and this is one of the things that came up. The article was entitled, appropriately enough, Discerning God's Will in Our Decision-Making. In it, Bloomberg outlines a number of questions that we should ask ourselves whenever we're faced with an important decision. And the questions really aren't from Bloomberg. He's citing Father Michael Scanlon in his article, who is the retired president of the Franciscan University of Steubenville. I won't share all the questions with you today. I'll just highlight a couple of them. The very first one that Father Scanlon says we should ask ourselves when we're facing an important decision and considering a certain course of action is this. Does it, does the action I'm considering conform to God's law as revealed through scripture and tradition and the teaching of the church. Does it conform to God's law? If it doesn't, then we shouldn't do it. So if you're trying to decide whether you should sleep with someone to whom you are not married, or if you're a teenager and you're trying to decide whether you should go to that beer party next Friday night to get drunk with your friends, or if you're trying to decide whether you should cheat on your income tax this year, or if you're on 95 and trying to decide whether you should run somebody off the road, you don't have to go any further than this question for your discernment. In all four instances, the answer is no, you should not. You should not sleep with that person. You should not go to that party. You should not cheat Uncle Sam and the IRS. And you should not run that rotten driver off the road. Although he probably should have his license pulled immediately. Now that makes lots of decisions very easy to make, right? If the action in question does not conform to God's law, as revealed through scripture and tradition and the teaching of the church, we should not do it, period. That's proper discernment. 
Another question Father Scanlon says we should ask ourselves is this one. Does the action in question foster personal conversion and growth in holiness? If you're presently a senior in high school and are trying to figure out which college you should go to next year, this would be a very important question for you to consider in your discernment process. Which college will help me to develop the most in the moral and spiritual dimensions of my life, in addition to giving me the skills that I need in my chosen profession? A lot of colleges can do that for you. But which one will benefit you morally and spiritually? That's a question for your discernment. And then there's always what I would call the fruit issue. This isn't directly mentioned in Bloomberg's article, but it certainly is implied. When we're considering a certain course of action, we need to try to think ahead. What will the fruit be? What will the results be in my life? And in the lives of others who are affected by what I will do. As Jesus said, every good tree produces good fruit and every bad tree produces bad fruit. Well, in the context of this homily, you can substitute action for tree in that passage, and it will mean something very similar. Every good action produces good fruit. Every bad action produces bad fruit. Speaking of Jesus, in today's gospel story, our Lord decides to perform a miracle in order to save a young couple from humiliation at their wedding. Obviously, Jesus discerned that this was the proper course of action. He discerned that this was the right thing to do. First, a little historical background. You know, in the first century in Palestine, weddings were not one-day events. They are for us, and I'm sure many of us are grateful for that, because we have a lot of planning and all of that that surround weddings. But in the first century in Palestine, different story. The ceremony itself took place late one evening, after a dinner. We usually have our ceremonies first, before the dinner. They had theirs after the dinner. But then for seven days, the newly married couple received visitors into their home. So the celebration went on for a full week. They wore crowns. They wore their wedding robes. It was during that period of time that the wine ran out on this particular bride and groom. Scripture scholar William Barclay says this about the importance of wine at these celebrations. So we have to understand what was at stake here. He writes, It was not that people were drunken, but in the East, wine was an essential. Drunkenness was in fact a great disgrace, and they actually drank their wine in a mixture composed of two parts of wine to three parts of water. At any time, the failure of provisions would have been a problem, for hospitality in the East is a sacred duty. But for the provisions to fail at a wedding would be a terrible humiliation for the bride and the bridegroom. Jesus, of course, could have made the decision not to get personally involved in this situation. As he said to Mary, his mother, my hour hasn't come yet. But as we all know, he did 
decide to act. And we can see at least part of the reason why, if we look at the situation in light of those criteria of good discernment that I mentioned a few minutes ago. First of all, was making wine contrary to God's law? The answer is no. There is no moral law against making or against drinking wine. Hallelujah. <laughs> I like my glass of Merlot with dinner. Now, drunkenness is a different story. There is a moral law against drunkenness. But that's something different. So there's nothing ostensibly wrong about supplying wine for a wedding, even if you do it by miraculous means. Secondly, did the action of changing water into wine foster personal conversion and growth in holiness? Well, not for Jesus. He was perfect. But it did happen for others, specifically the disciples, the apostles, and maybe also for the stewards and the couple, because they knew what went on. But we know for an absolute fact that it affected the apostles in a positive way. We know it from the last line of the story. Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs at Cana in Galilee, and so revealed his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. That, in and of itself, more than fulfills the good fruit requirement. The disciples began to believe. That's great fruit. They began to put their faith in Jesus and in his words. But there were other bits of good fruit that were also provided by this miracle, not the least of which was that these newlyweds were preserved from disgrace by being able to show proper hospitality to their wedding guests. Clearly, Jesus' discernment in this situation was perfect. Absolutely perfect. That, of course, really shouldn't surprise us because Jesus was God. And as such, he was perfectly united in his divinity to the Holy Spirit. We aren't. <laughs> we aren't. It's a little more difficult for us. That's why we need to pray. Let's do that at this Mass. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts more fully and more completely so that our ability to discern God's will in our lives might get better. And we all can improve on this, including yours truly, believe me. That incident in the parking lot proved it. <laughs> but I pray for this gift all the time, especially when I'm counseling people, because sometimes... I'm not sure what the right course of action is for somebody. And I pray, Lord, help me to discern rightly here so that I know the right advice to give to this person because their life depends on it, in some cases. And let's try to remember to ask Jesus to send us his spirit and the gift of discernment tomorrow and the next day and every day thereafter, because discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit that we will always need.